Um, so, yeah, Faith of the Centurion, uh, this is week three. So, uh, just a little recap um, over what I did before. I looked at this scripture because I, f- I was quite amazed where Jesus is amazed at somebody in the Bible. Usually, we're amazed at Jesus over what he's done, you know, healing, healing, uh, opening blind eyes, healing people, raising people from the dead, being raised himself from the dead. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? We should marvel at Jesus, right? But th- on this occasion, Jesus marvels at somebody else, and it says it's because of his faith. And he says, I've never seen faith like this, not even in Israel. So for me, it, it kind of, it amazed me because I, I, it's the only occasion that Jesus actually is amazed at somebody's faith in a positive way. The other occasion is when he's amazed at some people that actually don't believe in his word and believe who he is. And I think we both actually jump in, can jump into those camps. But it marveled me because, actually, when you look at the word, it's called, the, the, the translation for the word amazed is marvel. I like marvel, right? Any marvel fans out there, okay? Marvel fans, right? You know, we marvel at these superheroes because of their superpowers. But Jesus marvels at this man. Not because of his superpowers, but he marvels at him because of his faith, he says. So I thought it'd be good to look at faith and what I believe faith is. And today I'm going to look at another character um, who I believe learned this, put some things in place to, to grow his faith. Um, but we all have a choice every day if we respond by faith and put our trust in God. I did say that faith isn't just believing in nothing, it's believing in a knowledge of who God is and the truth of who God is. So when we put our faith in God, we're putting our faith in the word of God. We're putting our faith in trust of who God says he is and, and what we can read from the Bible. But it, so it's taken from a knowledge and a deeper conviction in our lives where we say, I'm going to believe that in my heart. I'm going to believe what the Bible says. I'm going to believe in God. And then on my journey, I'm going to take steps of faith and trust in God. That's what faith is. It's not just saying, I believe in God. Well, yes, but what do you believe? Let's get specific. And now how are you outworking that in your life by putting some meat on the bones? Does that make sense? Okay. So this year we're looking at discipleship. So what better way as a disciple to focus on growing your faith? Because that's what the Bible says Jesus or God is pleased, right, when we're in faith. It pleases God when we're in faith. So why not take a step of faith this day, today, tomorrow, this year, which pleases God? God loves us anyway. He loves you and he saved us when we were sinners. But he also wants you to develop your faith. The faith that he has given you. The seed of faith that he's entrusted you with. God has entrusted you with some faith to grow and develop to make a difference in this world. So I thought it'd be good to look at another character. And uh, the guy... The centurion, obviously, is a Roman soldier, and he's responsible for a century, right? Some say that's 80 people in Roman times, but I just don't quite get that. Why call him a centurion when you're looking after 80? But anyway, we'll move on from that. But let's look at another soldier who actually is responsible not just for 100, but ends up being responsible for a whole tribe, a whole generation, a whole community of people that's far bigger than what the centurion looks after. And I think there's something about this character that we can learn from to actually grow our faith. Is that okay? So this character is Joshua. Any Joshua's? There's definitely one Joshua because there's one on the stage this morning. Any more Joshua's? 
No, okay, right. So we've got one Joshua in the house. Where's Josh? He's gone out, okay. <laughs> it doesn't actually refer to Joshua's running away or... Well, <laughs> I know you've not run away, Josh. Okay, you've probably got some other responsibility you've got to see too. Or no, just gone to the toilet, okay. <laughs> so... Um, so let's look at this character, and um, I love this character because, you know, he, he's, not, he's not always the most secure character, but he keeps trusting in God, you know, and, and most of us, I think, are like that on, on a day-to-day basis. We've got our insecurities, we've got our battles like Joshua faced, but he kept trusting in God. He had a knowledge of God, he had a conviction in God, and he also trusted in God as, as he continued to walk on this journey. So let's look at Joshua. Let's go to Exodus 17. And this is Joshua's first occasion where he's kind of mentioned and where he's called upon. He's uh, given an opportunity, like most of us in this world on a daily basis, to respond to opportunities. You have an opportunity today, what you do. You have an opportunity tomorrow, what you do with your life. We all got opportunities in this world. And Joshua gets an opportunity on this day. It could be your day today, by the way. Today could be your opportunity to respond to a call. It could be this week, but it could be today where you say, you know, like Ben said, it's time for change. Today's the day where you step up and say, enough's enough. It's my time to fight. It's my time to step up now. And Joshua, on this occasion, does step up. Let's read then Exodus 17. And it says, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites. At Rephidim. So just to get you understanding where this is, the Israelites have been in captivity, in bondage for 400 years. They've come out of bondage and they've been led by Moses and seen miraculous signs what, through the power of God rescuing them out of captivity. They come out of captivity, they face the, 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 um, the Red Sea and it's impossible for them to cross over and the enemy's coming at them, the Egyptians, and God miraculously defeats the enemy. That's happened. It's gone. This now is where they face another enemy. And it's the first opportunity for them to fight. They've never fought before. They've only ever been in captivity. It says, The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites in Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill... With the staff of God in my hands. I'm sorry, but if I was going to fight my buddy, I'd want him with me. Anybody else? Anybody be like, what, what do you mean you're not the top of the hill? We're, this is our first fight. I, I, right? I'm not the biggest. I need somebody to stand with me. Moses says, I'm going on top of the hill. Cheers, buddy. And he says, tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill and I'll hold up a staff. Right? And it says, so Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and her went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. It's a good job he went to the top of the hill then, wasn't it? I think there's a lesson in that for some of us, isn't there? We don't always understand why things happen, but actually it's better that they happen that way because God knows better than us and is above all things. When Moses' hand, sorry, um, Aaron and her held his hands up, one on, si- one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. 
So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and they called it, the Lord is my banner. So from that day, the Amalekites wiped out. How good's God? Do you believe in the goodness of God? Have we got any generous people in here, by the way? Uh, if you weren't here last week, I talk, I talk about being generous, and you're generous because God is generous and God is in you. Okay? So there's some generous people. Are there any courageous people in here? Ooh, there's a few this morning. You're getting it, aren't you? Of course you are, because God calls you to be courageous, because God's in you. We sang the song, you know, the same power that is in Christ lives in me. Do you believe that or not? Come on, do you believe that or not? The same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. You did not put it in you. You just received it in you. Therefore, your strength is not in you. Your strength is in God, what he gives you to overcome. So what can we learn from Joshua in terms of him growing in his faith? Thinking about the centurion. How did the centurion get responsibility for 100 people? How did he affect his community, love the people, and build them a synagogue? Did he just turn up one day and click his fingers and it happened? I don't think so. How are we going to change as a church? How are we going to change our community? How are we going to change our environment that we live in? How is it going to happen? It's not just going to happen by you clicking your finger. It's going to happen by you learning to grow in faith and bringing God into the equation on this journey. And I think the first thing that Joshua does is he accepts that he's chosen. He accepts he's chosen. How many of you this morning know that you're chosen? Come on. How many of you understand that God accepts you? Well, I'm struggling with, I don't know if God loves me. Well, it's not in your strength, it's in what God's done for you. God says he loves you and he died for you. He's paid for all of your sin. You're completely forgiven if you're a believer in God. Therefore, he loves you. He has accepted you through his love. He has chosen you. You are a chosen person. Well, I'm not quite feeling. doesn't matter what you're feeling. We're talking about growing your faith, having the knowledge of God, a deep conviction, and trusting that I am chosen. So that when you go out from this place, God has chosen me. Anybody like being picked it's something. We hate being pit last, don't we? I remember it at school, football. You all lined up against the wall, right? Has anybody had this experience? Or netball, or whatever you did at sport, whatever sport, or you just, just hated sport, and you knew you were going to be the last person picked because you couldn't even catch a ball. But you still had to line up on the playground, and then they went along and picked each person. It was Barry Evans first because he was the best goalkeeper. Then it was Johnny Steele because he, he had the best shot and you knew he'd score on your team. And then it went down the line and you were the last one because, you know, you couldn't even run. Let alone kick a ball. And that's the way we're picked in the world, aren't we? Because of ability. Ability. But God says, I'm not looking at ability first of all. I'm just looking at you because I love you. I love you. And I've actually put an ability in you that you don't even know. I've put a gift inside of you. I've put a talent inside of you. And I've called you. I've chosen you to do something in this world. 
Joshua on this day had opportunity to choose. Do I accept that God is choosing me? Do I accept that Moses is choosing me today? Or do I just say, not me today, Moses? I don't know how to fight. We've never fought before. They've never fought before. It's not like they were experienced warriors. It's not like, you know, they were the best football team in the world. And yeah, I want to play first time. No, no, no. They've not been fighting before. Anybody feel like that on a daily basis? Can I actually do this? Can I actually do this job? Can I actually do what you're asking me to do? Can I actually look after my family? Do I know how to build relationships or do I struggle on a daily basis? Is anybody else like this? But God chooses us. Not only does he choose us, he equips us and empowers us to do it. You see, Joshua on this day had to accept that he was chosen. Do you believe that God has chosen you? Somebody. So we've got generous people in the house, but have we got any chosen people? Come on, God chose you, it says, from the beginning of time. Before the world was created, he chose you. This is not based on you or me. It is based on God's plan and God's purposes. He's outside of time in this world. He's picked a time for you to live in this world and make a difference. He's picked a time for you to hold up a banner to point people towards God. He's picked you. But are you accepting that you're chosen? You see, the issue that we have individually is acceptance because we've all been rejected. We've all been hurt, so we all feel rejected like the person who's picked last. Something disappointed you at some point. Something discouraged you at some point. Something hurt you at some point, and you know because deep down you've not been happy about it. And God knows all about it, and he knows the things we do wrong, and he still chooses us. He still picks us out. He still calls us to come to him. He says, I love you. I know it hurts, my child. I know it's hurt. I know it's disappointed. But come to me anyway and let me help you in life. Let me empower you in life. But here's the deal. He doesn't make us come to him. He gives us the choice. Wow. He gives us the choice. You see, the world on a daily basis is trying to take our choices away from us. People try and take our choices. Our job, our finances try to take those choices away from us. What God wants to do is empower us and give us the choices that we have on a daily basis. So we can't blame anybody else for our lives. We can only look at our own lives and say, today I have a choice to make. Joshua on this day had a choice to make. Notice how Moses didn't say to him, choose Johnny, Bill, and Bob. Sound like minions, don't they? Right? He didn't tell him what to do. He just gave him an opportunity and said, you choose. You choose. So tomorrow you have a choice. God's not going to say to you, do this. He's given you a blueprint. It's simple. Love God, love people, go make disciples. How are you going to do that? That's your choice. What do you mean it's my choice? Yeah. With the gift that you have, who you are, you being secure in who you are, you have a choice how to live your life. In other words, God is a God who empowers you. And if you're not feeling empowered, I want to encourage you this morning, God has empowered you to choose. 
Stop looking for other people or other reasons or other faults or looking at the past. God today says it's your choice. You choose today how you live your life. You choose to forgive people. You choose to love people. God empowers you with a life. He doesn't dictate to you. He gives you the freedom to choose how you live your lives. Wow. In other words, you're empowered by God. How cool is that? I find that amazing. Anybody else? That I am empowered So you're generous, aren't you? I'm convincing you. You're courageous, aren't you? And now you are empowered empowered because God gives you the freedom to choose. Wow. That's pretty good, isn't it? I think the centurion understood this, that he was a man under authority. And I'll say to this one, go. But he also understood that they gave him the freedom to choose how they go. You see, he'd been given orders to go into an area, Capernaum, to rule and to take Roman authority in. He wasn't given orders to build them a synagogue. And he wasn't given orders to love the people. He was given orders to go in and take over. But I think something in that centurion said, well, what am I, what's my, what do I believe? What do I actually believe about this world and people? What is my conviction What am I going to base my life on? How I rule in this environment. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go to the people and I'll empower the people. I'll live with the people and I'll love the people. I think the centurion was empowered just like Moses empowered Joshua. You've got to remember where these people came from. They came from captivity, being in bondage, being dictated to, having their choices taken away from them. Moses changes the game, church. He empowers them to choose for themselves. I want this to be a church where we choose to be empowered for ourselves. We're not dictated to. We're actually given the freedom to choose how we live our lives. There are rules and regulations and orders and the way we operate through the word of God. But on a daily basis, you have the freedom to choose. God empowers you how to live your life. You are a blessing. Be a blessing. You are generous. Be generous. You are courageous. Be courageous. God is empowering you to be who he's calling you to be. He's calling you and chosen you. Now it's your choice how you live your life. Come on. That's the God I want to serve. And then anybody teaches you anything else, then I would question out of your own convictions, your own beliefs, what do you believe? Do I believe in a God who gives me the choice of freedom and empowerment in this world? I think that's good. Except we are chosen. And if you're struggling with that and you've had hurts and disappointments which we all have. We all struggle with it. But I'd encourage you to keep coming back to the truth until you're able to dig deeper and that your foundation is built on the word of God, not on experiences of this world, how you're feeling emotionally, but go beyond that and receive healing from God and a stronger foundation that God loves you and believes in you. Somebody agrees. Amen. Somebody's coughing over there as well. It's like babies all of a sudden. Chorus, did you hear that? (laughs) Okay, so the first thing I believe Joshua understood, right, he was chosen. He was empowered to choose. He didn't have to. You know, what made him choose to fight? I believe his conviction. 
his family were going to get wiped out if he didn't do something. You say, well, God shouldn't kill people. No, God doesn't. His mercy is through a thousand generations. But on this occasion, in this instance, if, if he doesn't defend his own family, they're all going to be wiped out. What would you do? Tough question. New Testament is, it, is this. We're here to love our enemies, not to kill them. Second thing is this, right? Is I've put down, be faithful. If we're going to grow our faith, we have to learn to be faithful. Would you agree? Right? Joshua has a choice on this day. He says to Joshua, choose some men to fight the Amalekites. Joshua has a choice. Do I do that or not? The same of each one of us. We are empowered to choose. We are taught Jesus' teachings. We are taught the word of God, but then we have a choice. Well, am I going to be faithful to the word of God? Am I going to follow Jesus? Am I going to put it into practice on a daily basis? Am I going to do what I say I'm going to do and be faithful? It says of Joshua, so, in verse 10, Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses ordered. Very simple. We have an instruction in our lives to follow God. Moses says to Joshua, choose some men to fight the Amalekites. Joshua has a choice. Does he do it or not? Out of his own conviction, am I going to believe and trust that God is with me? And am I actually going to do what I've been asked to do? If somebody said, let's say, I'm going to ask you this question. Are you a faithful person? Most of us go, okay, in areas or, you know, I try my best to be faithful. Right. Ask the person who's closest to you if they think you're a faithful person. No, 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 not in this room, right? Because you might not know them. Somebody who knows you, who's close to you on a daily basis. You go home or go and find somebody, right? Or even find somebody who you see now and again, somebody on church, maybe you serve on a team. Say, am I a faithful person? Are you ready for it? (laughs) Right? Be honest with yourself. How faithful are you? Is your yes, yes, and your no, no, or do you flip from one thing to another? Do you say yes to something and then actually don't turn up? Are you my friends this morning? I'm trying to help you be honest, right? Most of us, so I'll be honest, I went running on Saturday. And I started running this year because I want to get out. At the beginning of the year, we make some goals. And so let's start. I want to lose a bit of weight and I want to get fit, right? So I said, we'll do this. You know, and you're three months in, I'm doing really well. And then all of a sudden, you hit a brick wall. Who puts them brick walls there, by the way? Is it you? <laughs> Keep running into them. I hit a brick wall, right? And, and then I've had about three weeks where I've kind of felt sorry for myself and, and not feel like running. And I've got a cold, and then I, I'm run down, and I'm like, and you're thinking, you justify not running. And then I went to run yesterday. I really didn't want to go. I've got to be honest. But you know what? I thought, I'm going to have to go. And then I looked at myself and thought, how faithful am I to what I'm actually saying I'm going to do? If I say I'm going to do something this year, am I actually going to dig deeper and have a deeper conviction to actually develop my own integrity? That actually I'm a person where I say I'm going to do it, I'll do it. You may be a very integral person. Brilliant. Keep going and keep modeling it for other people. I know I've got some that I look towards who model that integrity 
and I think that's how I want to live my life. Or if you hang around with somebody else who's not faithful and you copy that behavior, it's probably not the best behavior to copy. What you want is somebody who's faithful to you, right? And then you model that faithfulness. You see, the centurion was given an opportunity to be faithful, not only to his soldiers, but to his community and model faithfulness. Faithfulness of love within that community. So when Jesus turns up on the day and, and, and the, the centurion sends people to him and he says to, G, to Jesus, I'm not worthy to have you, just say the word. How did he know that? Because he understood the power of the word and, and, and the power of giving orders and the power of somebody following them orders. And he understood faithfulness and he understood there was somebody over him who was greater, as Joshua saw, Moses, there was somebody who was greater who'd given an order into this world world and he was following the order God gives you an order this week how to live your life lots of room lots of parameters but it's up to you how faithful you'll be to God how do you start that by the simple opportunities and tasks that people give you to to embed faithfulness into your life it's not gonna you're not gonna fight the Amalekites is any Amalekites in here no you'll probably come up against somebody this week right But the Amalekites, they're not there anymore, okay? Joshua had to fight the Amalekites. He'd never fought before. He was given opportunity to respond. He responded and he was faithful. How do we know that? Because it was written down. God even told them, write it down. Why? Because we forget. We do, don't we? I mean, sometimes, does anybody do this? I'll go downstairs for something. And I know what I'm going down for. And, and I go down the stairs, and, and I get to the room, and I'm in the kitchen, and I go, why the heck am I in the kitchen? It's like I've just been transported. I was in the bedroom. And then you try and trace your steps back, don't you? Um, right, what? There, yeah. She said that, and he did that, and I was on the toilet, sorry. I was on the toilet, and, and, and I looked over there, and why did I look there and look at the, in, in the towel, and then I went downstairs? What is it? That, we forget, don't we? Anybody else are? We forget. Talk about trying to be faithful. We can't even remember what we've been faithful for. What's God asking me to do? I don't know. I've gone work. Trying to just earn a living. Forgot why I'm here. What am I doing? I'm just working. Just getting my head down working. Yeah, but why? Why are you working? Why are you in that environment? Why has God chosen you and given you a gift and a talent to put you in this world? Why are you here? Because he's chosen you to shine. He's chosen you to be faithful. He's chosen you to use the gift and the talent that you've got to make a difference in this world. But we forget. Because I'm at work and this person said something to me and it affected me emotionally. Now I'm consumed by just being in this environment rather on my deep conviction of what I believe and how to live my life. I'm consumed by myself. Are you listening? So you've got to decide, why are you here? Why has God chosen me to be here? Am I here to be a difference? Am I here to love people? The centurion, I believed, understood his deep conviction. I'm sure some of them Israelites in that community didn't like him. You're not telling me. You're not building us a synagogue. Who do you think you are coming in here? He built them a synagogue. Why? Because he had a deep conviction, I believe, to believe in what he was sent there to do, which was to love people and take over that community. Not just to take over and rule, but to actually genuinely believe in people. He understood his instruction. He was under authority. Do you know that you are under God's authority? 
Because if you're under God's authority, he's chosen you not because of who you are, but because of who he is. Ta-da! Be faithful. Joshua fought the Amalekites. Man, look at time. And the next one is this. Complete the assignment. Well, I'm turning up, I'm trying my best, I'm doing this. Well, what have you got to do? What's the thing you've been asked to do this week? I don't know. What is it you've got to do? Maybe it's your family. Maybe you know you've got to forgive. Maybe you know you've got to love your family. You're not actually doing that. You're actually consumed, like most of us, by yourself and not actually putting somebody else before yourself. Here's the deal. What is it the thing that you're called to do? It might be that you are called to go into a career. Well, if that's what you're called to do, follow that path and be faithful to it and complete the assignments. But generally, we're here to love people because God loved us. Love God by loving people. And also, look outside of that and look for people who don't yet know God. That's the general assignment of what we're here to do. That's why we're putting on Alpha, by the way, because God loves people who don't know him yet. He's chosen them. Yeah, well, they don't even know. No, just like you were chosen before you even knew. God planned it from the beginning of time, not just from a Sunday church at BCC, right? His chosenness was from the beginning of time. You've been chosen. There are people out there that don't even know that they're chosen. And it's our job to take a message, right, of a God who's faithful. How do we know? Because it's been written down so we don't forget, right? God's written it down so we don't forget. It's not based on how we feel. It's based on God's faithfulness and God's goodness and God's mercy. I drew a picture the other week, a circle, right? And it's based on this is God and this is us. So when we put ourselves in God, who is generous, we become generous. Out of his generosity, we begin to understand how generous God is, how good God is, how courageous God is. I mean, God gave his life for you. He died on a cross. That's how courageous he is. He faced sin and death for you. That's how courageous he is. So when you understand how brave God is, how courageous he is, he wants to then pour that into you so that you can be brave and courageous too and you can overcome, just like Joshua. Complete the assignments. When you say you're going to do something, follow through and do it. Embed that into your life. Imagine a church, everybody in it does that. I'll be there, I'll do it. I'll give in, I believe in this, I'll put 10% of my wage into it. Why? Because I believe in my heart that I believe in God and I believe in the local church. Therefore, I will be convicted by my own belief and I will sow into this, irrelevant of how I'm feeling, irrelevant of what people think. I believe in this. Anybody believe in it? Joshua believed in where they were going. Why? Because he knew they had an inheritance from God. It wasn't based on him. It was based on the word of God. He had an order from Moses to fight the fight on this day. But he had an assignment to do, and he completes the assignment. The great thing about this is after, in in, in I think it's Exodus 24, we then find Moses taking Joshua with him as his assistant. Wow. Pretty good promotion. A man who's just there on the day, you've got opportunity to serve God. I serve God. What does God do? He promotes him to the top man's assistant. What do they do? Go up Mount Sinai, the presence of God. So he's gone from, I'm just doing my daily job. I'm just going work. 
I'll just do that task. What happens? God promotes him to another place to discover more about who he is, more about the greatness of God, more about how to live your life. How does he do that? God promotes him and takes him with Moses. Where did he get that from? Being faithful and completing the task that he'd been given to do. You're not, just, you're not just serving a man. You're not just serving a job. You're serving the creator of the universe who's given, called you and given you something to do with your gift and talents. He's the one who will promote you. He's the one who will bless you. Don't worry about people and let God promote you to a greater place, just like with Moses. He gets into the presence of God and discovers something about God that's far greater than any man could give him in this world. Pretty good in promotion. That's the promotion I want. I want to know what God says to me. I want to discover something of God. I want to discover something about the greatness of God, the compassion of God, and and get promoted by him. You see, the important thing here is on this day, Joshua had to fight the enemy. Do Do you know, here's a question, do you know who is your enemy that you're fighting with? That's a good question, isn't it? Do you know the enemy? Or are you just oblivious to an enemy in your life and in this world? See, Joshua knew who his enemy was and where it came from. And he knew he had to defeat it. You see, if we look at this enemy, I think this is probably the first enemy that we all have to fight. You want to hear who it is? Are you still my friend? You don't need to be scared. I'll tell you why you don't need to be scared. Because Joshua defeats the enemy, and God defeats the enemy of this world. So we have victory. We've been singing about it. So we don't need to be scared. He's defeated the enemy. He's defeated death. He's defeated sin. So we have the victory in God. So you don't need to be scared, because your God's bigger and more powerful and overcomes. And that same power is in you. But we forget, don't we? Oh, yeah. Right, here's the deal. The, the Am, Amaleks, who were they? The Amaleks were descendants of Esau. Well, who was Esau? I don't know. Did you see him? I saw him. You saw him? Esau, Esau him, right? Esau. Terrible. Dad joke. Esau. Who was Esau? Esau was Jacob's brother. Okay? Jacob's brother, he was the firstborn. He was the one who was entitled to the inheritance. Are you still with me? Thinking, what are you on about now? He was entitled to the inheritance. But what Esau did was this. Esau decided because, you know, he forgets like most of us. And, and he was going off his emotions one day with how he was feeling. So he wanted some food off his brother because he, that's how he was feeling. So Jacob goes and sells him his bowl of soup, basically, for his inheritance. So you imagine you, you, your dad has worked all his life, worked hard all of his life. And it says the, the son gets an inheritance. But the son, one day, because he forgets, is just tired. So he doesn't feel like, you know, he, and he sells all of his dad's riches on that day. It's not a good thing, is it? For a bowl of soup. This wasn't even Baxter's, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not like it was Heinz or Baxter's. It was homemade by somebody else. It's not even got a label on it. It was a bowl of soup that you sold. I mean, who's stupid enough? (laughs) Who's stupid enough to sell all of your father's riches? 
Esau was. Jacob wasn't stupid, though. Because Jacob says, well, I'm going to have that. Who wouldn't? Somebody said to you tomorrow, you can have a million pounds. It's not yours. But would, would you have it? Would you have an inheritance tomorrow? Does anybody want, you know, let's say it was five million in them days. Anybody want five million tomorrow? Yeah. And somebody stupid is going to come up to you and give it you. Yeah? It's not me. <laughs> I'm stupid, but I'm worth five million, right? Five million pounds for you tomorrow. Esau sells his inheritance. Esau, sorry, the Amaleks were a descendant of Esau. Here's the deal we have to watch out for. The Amaleks were the natural heirs to the inheritance. In other words, Esau was the natural birth who could inherit what God had for them. The Amalekites were descendants of that, so naturally it was their inheritance and they wanted it. So when Joshua, who leads God's people, into the inheritance that's been promised through Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, right? When it's been promised, sorry, the other way around, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, when it's been promised, right, by God and God's word, Esau, or his descendant, is deciding, no, it's naturally mine. Well, whose was it? It was Jacob's. Therefore, it was of the Israelites, it was their inheritance. The biggest enemy that we face on this journey of spiritual growth isn't an enemy outside of us, it's the natural man inside of us that says, I'm entitled to this, you're not telling me, I'll decide where this goes, I'm the natural one who's been born into this world, but the new man, promised by God, born of God, new creation in Christ, is the one who receives the inheritance. You cannot receive the inheritance, the fullness of what God has got for you, without putting your faith in God, believing in God's word, what God says, I am not worthy, the centurion says, to come under your roof. I know you're not, but because I love you, I'm going to give you my inheritance anyway. Pretty good stuff, that is. And most of us say, well, I'm going to inherit eternal life naturally. No, you're not, because your body's going to die. You cannot inherit God's blessing naturally. You can't do it. The only way you can inherit God's blessing is spiritually, by God's word and putting yourself under his authority. He's still my friend. So I don't know where you're at, but if you want the blessing of God poured out of your life now, it's a spiritual blessing to be poured out into your life. It's not a natural blessing. Yes, we have things to do, but it is a spiritual blessing. Most of us, if we're honest, allow the natural man on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to take over again. And we're not led by the spiritual man who says, come on, keep believing in yourself. Come on, look at the generosity I've poured out in your life. Come on, look at the goodness I've shown you. Look at the mercy. Come on, be merciful. Come on, be good. Come on, be kind. It's the new man that God's called you to be, chosen you to be, and said, come on now, have a deeper conviction and live by that. And I'll guarantee if you follow that man, God will continue to pour out his goodness, promote you, give more of his presence. You'll discover about more of who God is 
is, right? And you'll say, yeah, but I don't want to let go of this. That's fine. Let your natural man live in this world and enjoy it. But I'll guarantee if you let go of it, there's something greater spiritually that God can pour into your life. You say, how does that happen? I don't know how it happens. Esau thought it was his inheritance. So he chased after God's will. I'll tell you, I'll show you. I'll wipe this generation out. I'll prove to God. I'll rebel against God. I'll do it my way. Well, guess what? What happens is you don't step up against God because he wipes them out. Wipes them out. Are you still my friend? So I want to encourage you, right? Don't let the natural man who is your enemy rule your life. Begin to walk in the spiritual man. Say, if I don't understand this, well, say, God, open my eyes spiritually so I can operate in this way. What does it look like? It looks like a life of fruitfulness. It looks like a life of serving God. It looks like a life of pouring out the goodness of God, the generosity of God, the kindness of God. It looks like a life of being faithful from the day you receive it to the day you die. And I'm going to read what it says in Joshua 24. Joshua was a man who was given a choice and empowered in his life. Like I said before, you're chosen. We've each got a task to do. We've each called. But at the end of his life, Joshua knows what people are like. He knows, he knows we all forget and we all veer off and we all go back unless we're reminded and reminded and reminded in our lives and we keep our eyes on God, we have a deeper conviction and we choose to follow God with our lives unless we remind ourselves we forget. And Joshua, at the end of his life, let's read what he says to the people. And I love how he does this because, again, he empowers. And I believe it's the heart of God. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Anybody want to serve the Lord? Come on, he came into this world to serve us. And he sends us now to serve him with all faithfulness. But if serving the Lord, Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves. I love the heart of God. I love Joshua, how he understands the empowerment of God. Then choose you for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. At the end of his life, being a faithful man, one thing he says to the people to put into your life is to be faithful and serve God with everything that's within you. Give him your all. Don't hold back. But he understands there's something else that's going to stop you doing that. He understands there's other gods that we go to. And my call for you today is this. 
You may be a follower of Jesus and given everything. Well, keep being a follower of Jesus till the day you die and model it to those around you and tell them about the faithfulness of God and tell them about the goodness of God and keep going. Or you may be somebody who kind of dips to church, but actually I'm a serving God with all of my heart. And I think we all need a fresh challenge and an encouragement to do that. Why? Because of the inheritance of God and the goodness of God that he wants to pour in and through you into this world. Or maybe you're here today and you've never committed your heart to God. You say, do you know what? I hear about God. But do you know what? Maybe today's my day where I choose to be faithful to God. So let's just bow our heads and I'm going to pray. Father God, we thank you that you were faithful. Not only were you faithful, but you were faithful unto death. And Father, I thank you that when Jesus surrendered his life, when he died on the cross, it was not the end, but it was just the beginning of something new. And Father, I just pray for people here this morning. Maybe they feel that they are at the end in an area of their lives and they think, do you know what? I don't see a way out of this. Or I'm at the end where I'm thinking, do you know what? I just, I give up. I can't go on anymore. But God, I thank you that there's an opportunity to come out of that life and into a new life. And if there's people here this morning just give opportunity to choose God's love, to accept God's love, God's forgiveness, and have a new start. And if you're here and you believe that in your heart, that God loves you and that he died for you, then I encourage you to just come and speak to us after and I'd love to pray with you. For the rest of us, I want to encourage you to keep going. Just as Moses lifted up the staff to encourage Joshua, we have an opportunity to lift up God in our lives and encourage those around us. God, I thank you for each person that's faithful here. May they be strengthened by your spirit. May they be encouraged by people around them. And God, may you continue to build your church through these people as they serve diligently and faithfully. And Father, I pray that you strength and refresh each person here this morning. Whatever they're doing, whatever task you've given them, as they continue to be faithful, you'd refresh them and encourage them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.